Welcome to Test Rack Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Hi, my name's Matt. I'm going to be your host today, uh, co-hosted with Paul Hammer, the Paul Hammer. The Paul Hammer. I don't know who yeah. says that. <laughs> I, you, and then maybe me. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Thanks. Uh, Welcome. So uh, here at Test Rack Podcast, uh, we are an entity within the Pentagon. We are your direct line to the Pentagon when it comes to innovation efforts uh, within the Air Force. Uh, here at Tesseract Podcast, our mission is your voice, and we're here to talk about everything that airmen across the logistics enterprise, and that includes maintainers, logisticians, civil engineers, and defenders in force protection. So a wide variety of airmen that, that we get to work with. And uh, today, well, we get to talk to Paul Hammer. So our objective today is to, you know, you know who Paul is and learn about psychological safety and how you can implement that into your work center, to your workplace. And some of those key results are going to look like, what are some resources that you can dig into? What are the stages of psychological safety? And what the exact benefits are of having a psychologically safe environment to creating a, a culture of innovation within the Air Force. Since our mission at Tesseract is to connect and power and accelerate. And yeah. Accelerate that change. So, um so let's go ahead and get started. So, you know, Paul, you've been in the Air Force for how long? Oh, man. It's uh, 23 years. Um, last month. Last month on the uh, 10th, my virtual MPF will tell you. I actually got in the basic training on the 3rd, but was recycled. So, little known <laughs> fact, I was, I was recycled in basic training. But, yeah, 23 years in October. So, a little bit of time. Good stuff the development and the growth throughout your career and so you've been in for you know for a couple of decades now you've had a lot of lessons learned along the way um what's your affc and what are some of the bases you've been to and maybe you have like a funny story or two yeah um uh, yeah so i'm pol uh two foxtrot um put gas on planes right uh sometimes confused with uh fuel cell maintenance completely different career field um pol guys drive the big big green trucks and refuel the aircraft that's primarily what we do um and i i was sent to uh, uh mildenhall in in the united kingdom as my first base 18 year old kid dropped in the united kingdom with a drinking age of 18 right um and then went to travis air force base california for quite some time from there went to kadena air base okinawa japan um from there, got a one-year remote to Osan um, in South Korea. Um, from there, went to Altus Air Force Base. Uh, spent, uh, I think, a little over two years there. Um, went from Altus back to uh, Mildenhall. From Mildenhall, went to Isleson Air Force Base, Alaska, um, and then applied to be on the, the Tesseract team. And here we are in your apartment building in DC yeah. podcasting. <laughs> um, and stuff. yeah, and I think, um, several deployments throughout there. Um, I don't know about a funny story, but one of my more memorable, uh, time periods in the air force so far is when I was assigned to the, the forward air refueling point team at, uh, Kadena, um, forward air refueling point teams or FARP as we call them are a, a special operations offshoot of fuels. Um, and basically what you do is you, you put a refueling site down in the middle of nowhere off the back of a C-130 or some other aircraft and, uh, you can re 
refuel small aircraft, primarily uh, rotary wing aircraft, um, super close to the fight, right? And they can go do their thing, and and then you can all come back. Um, and I was deployed to Iraq and did uh, real world combat FARPs in Iraq. I say combat, but it, we were, you know, we're pretty even still a little bit further away from the actual fight. So I, I think the word combat in there is a little bit uh, misleading, but that was one of my funner deployments. So lots of funny stories too, as well. Some appropriate, some not. <laughs> <laughs> some offline. Yes, yes, yes. So how do, well, what, well, let's actually start with what is psychological safety? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I, I think it's something that we all intuitively feel is the right thing, but like that that term psychological safety is relatively new in the space, like like a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Um and and what psychological safety is is a, we'll kind of boil it down to the most simplistic terms. Um, is like if you if you feel comfortable enough in the space to to talk about your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Without fear of them being ridiculed or or you being you know someone someone kind of looking at you like that's a dumb idea or or you kind of being ostracized or any of those things right like if you feel like you can share your ideas and your thoughts and you you don't fear those things then you're probably in a pretty psychologically safe environment now the reverse is true right like if 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 there's low psychological safety in the team. Um, that's where in your mind you hold back a lot of thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Whether they be feedback for one of your teammates or a thought on an idea or a thought on the direction where the team is going or bringing up a problem that you know is going on. Like you, you hold all those things back because the fear of being ridiculed, being ostracized, being belittled, like those kind of things, um, is very, very heavy. So I, you know, in, in, we might get into it a little bit, but uh, Timothy Clark goes on to say uh, a, a psychologically safe environment is one where you feel um, you feel welcomed, right? You're you're uh, welcomed into the group. You can learn. Uh, you can you can challenge the status quo. So those things exist in a in a psychologically safe environment. What are the foundational elements of psychological safety? Um, I there's a there's a connection between uh, trust and psychological safety. They're not synonymous, but I think I think trust it, it exists in a psychologically safe environment. Um, another thing that you find as a foundational element of psychological safety is just this notion, and it's it's uh, the first stage, according to Timothy Clark. It's the first stage of psychological safety is um, this. This idea that I accept people just for simply being human, right? So, like, there's there's acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, every everybody understands, like, okay, regardless of where you come from, the color of your skin, your thoughts, your beliefs, your sexual orientation, any of these things, you belong, and I accept you just because you're a human being. Mm-hmm. So, um, as a foundational element, I think that right, that being kind of step one mm-hmm. stage one of psychological safety that's probably the um one of the foundational elements and we got his book right here right yeah absolutely and we're we're going to talk about uh you know we'll talk resources. about resource yeah, yeah we'll talk about resources here in a little bit but uh 
Um, yeah, we have his book right here. Yep. Um, Timothy Clark, the four stages of psychological safety. So let's talk actually, well, let's dig into the, the four stages. Yeah, yeah. How does he define that? You know, he has a, he has a very step-by-step process yeah. how you can implement psychological safety, how you can be more aware of psychological safety. So let's dig into this resource a little bit. What are his four stages? Yeah, so I think um, I think what's important to recognize is like when we're talking about innovation, like his his book is called "The Four Stages of Psychological Safety: Devi- Defining the Path to Inclusion and Innovation." Right. So he's literally talking about how psychological safety plays into the innovation. And um, stage one is inclusion. Right. Like I said, like you are including people. Like in below, that's the threshold of. Mm-hmm of psychological safety, right? Is like this this idea of like below that is exclusion where people are are ostracized for for reasons um you know like just uh, you're not like me, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's like the there's no psychological safety. Stage 1 where the threshold is is inclusion. Like people are included in the group just simply because they're human beings. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and, and it's interesting when you start to like, so understanding psychological safety and then really digging into it. And like you said, starting to be aware of these things. Like if you start to look around and look about, look around and how, um, teams in the air force, uh, exclude people, even within their own teams, it's interesting because obviously we're all included in the air force. So there's a blanket inclusion, right? Just got a uniform, same haircut, right? Uh, you know, you're part of a United mission. Yep. Yeah, we're 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 right. We're we're wearing Tesseract t shirts today. It's Tesseract T Friday for us. So <laughs> we we're it's clear that we've both been included into a group, but is there is there true inclusion between us? Do I value Matt as a human or is is there just some kind of like uh thinly veiled inclusion because we're on the same team, right? Um and and you could have exclusion for a lot of reasons, right? Like like where we see it with football teams and stuff and, and albeit um generally a, a well-mannered kind of uh jabs between each other but can that develop into something more um more sinister right mm-hmm. like i don't like you because you're a pats fan and I, I i give you crap about it every day right like are you eventually going to not come to me for things right like are are, are you not going to tell me the truth so so there's inclusion number one um and then stage two is is learner safety um and, uh, you know, and if you think about this in terms of the Air Force and, and teams, like you, you come into a new team, right? And, and number one, you have to be included. There's the threshold. And, and then number two, you're, you're given permission to learn things, right? And it's not what at that stage, what psychological safety is not is like, hey, Airman Smith, here's your CDCs. Um, you're, you're, don't come to me for questions, right, man? Like, hey, you got to figure it out on your own. And by the way, you're working 12s. And by the way, you're working 12s, and you got to fit that into your own schedule. And if you don't get a 65 on your end of course, like, you're probably going to get kicked out of the Air Force, right? At at a minimum, we're probably going to ridicule you and kick you back down to exclusion, right? So, so stage two, you've got learner safety, and what learner safety in a psychologically safe environment. Um, what it what it looks like is like hey man like i'm giving you permission to learn and i'm i'm taking a knee and i'm getting with you eyeball to eyeball and i'm here for you right like 
I'm going to help you through this thing. It's not give you all the answers. That's not what it is. But it's, it's like I'm really invested in your learning, right? I'm giving you the permission to explore that space, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's, that's kind of learner safety stage two, right? Stage three is contributor safety, okay? So, and, and again, think about it in the context of a conventional unit where you come in, if you're included, right? Like for the basis on, on the basis that you're a human being and we love you and we value you as a human. And then you've been given the freedom to learn. Maybe it's not CDCs, right? Maybe you're a seasoned tech sergeant already or a senior math sergeant and you're just learning the, the base, right? The battle rhythm of the base, the new mission, that kind of thing. Um, and then at some point you're given the permission to contribute, mm-hmm. right? Like, Hey Matt, what do you, th- you've learned enough, right? Like you're included, you've learned enough. What are your thoughts on this, man? Right? Like, mm-hmm. like, and it, you know, if, if we can kind of explore the, the opposite end of that low psychological safety, it's like, it's like no one ever asks for your opinion, right? No one ever values, like we've all been in a staff meeting or something like I invite Airman Smith in because I've been told like, Hey, maybe it's nice to invite an Airman to, but I, but it's he ain't he ain't contributing mm-hmm. right like no one's asking for his opinion or if we ask for his opinion it's just empty words because we've been we've been taught that it's it's good leadership practice to ask for people's opinion but ain't no one listening to him right like what does he know so so stage three is is contributor safety right and you know you've got some psychologically safe environments if really if people are asking for everybody's opinion if if everybody has a voice like an honest voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and stage four is is challenger safety, okay? And that's the freedom to, and this is where we go from inclusion to innovation. And this is where innovation happens, right? And you can't get innovation without stage four. Stage four is challenger safety, where you are invited and you are given permission to challenge the status quo. Right. And, and if you think about that in terms of like, again, a, a conventional kind of unit that um, you've been in, um, like, is, is that really the case? Are people really being given permission um, and are they respected enough to, to really challenge the status quo? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the thing is like to, to, to breed innovation, we need to give freedom to people to to challenge the status quo right now let's look at it from the framework gonna continue to look at it from a military framework starting at stage one the military tends to lean on the fact that there is a visual unified effort right that there is a uniform that there's a haircut that there's a flag that we fight for that we all went to the same boot camp we all went through the same initiation and there is a misconception as to how you need to unify personalities and unify the unique traits of individuals to make them feel included in the conversation and, and contribute to the conversation, right? And this is seen at all levels of the organization, not just in A1C, fresh from tech school. You, know, you talk about jokes on a football team. You can't spell lost without LT. Yeah. Well, how do you think, how does that make a lieutenant feel? Right. Right. And, you know, when a, when a second lieutenant fresh from college sits in a staff meeting with an OPSO that 
and it's a captain or a major that's been in for, you know, four, six, eight, ten years, that major might not even ask that lieutenant anything, right? Right. And, uh, or they might ask for their opinion, but, uh, oh, this guy just came straight from college, like, uh, just brush on it. Even though that guy, that, that kid, that 22-year-old second lieutenant, 25-year-old first lieutenant, might have some amazing ideas, right? But he just doesn't have that that credibility yet. He has to pay his dues, which goes into, you know, that that stage two where okay, you know, you know you're going to be working those twelves. You know, you're going to be, um, you're going to go through our initiation here at, at this unit. That's where you know military units get get hung up. Uh, you know, particularly hung up on is there is a visual representation, right, of who we are. There is a what you need to do to become part of the club. And then there's such a, a strict hierarchy which has its place on the battlefield and in the AOR, but does it have a place in culture? Yeah, and, and I have a bunch of thoughts on that. And I think, you know, to your point about the uniform and that that being kind of a blanket level of inclusion, I think um, I think we might have a tendency to to kind of think that that's enough inclusion, right? Like just because you enlisted means you're included and I don't need to take inclusion any further. Um, and then we kind of leave it on that, but leave it at that and, and hope that that's enough or, or we don't even think about it in terms of like, am I really truly with my words and my actions, including this individual or is every, does everybody feel included? Um, and, and am I very deliberate about my, my delivery of my words and my actions so that I communicate that everybody is truly included. And I don't, I don't think we do a great job of that. And I think, um, I, I think we, we need to be very uh, more deliberate about being very clear that people are included. And, and, you know, your point about, um, you know, that the person of junior rank is, is in my experience is, is usually not given a voice. Um, and I, I think there's a there's a lot of things about that that it's it's like fighting biology and there's a lot to that. Um, but what's important for us to recognize is I don't care how many degrees you have. How, how I've been in 23 years. It's very important for me to understand that I don't have the answers, mm-hmm. and it's not because I'm not a smart guy. Or that my experience isn't valued. I, my experience is valued and it should hold weight. However, the world is so complex, right? There's just so much going on. When you, when you factor in all the external factors that you don't have control over and then you, you put humans in the mix and, you know, we're complicated. And there's a lot of stuff underneath you, everyone. Like we all come to the table with, different backgrounds and different thoughts and different understandings. And it's such a complex environment that there's no way anyone can know, can know everything. And decision-making and sense-making of things is like, it's like puzzling, right? It's like when, when you, when you lay out that thousand piece puzzle on the table, you start to work the corners and the edges. And then I start to work the most, the most visually uh, appealing thing, right? The, little house with the red roof and then and then there you are over there working the house with the blue roof and i need that piece of information to complete the puzzle like or I, you got the airman that's working on the blue sky yeah it's the most difficult part of the puzzle right 
But right. they want to get after that first. But you got to get after it first, right? Yeah. But but you need all those pieces to to formulate to make a to make a more informed decision because there's no perfectly right decision, but to make a better for so so you have to recognize when you're when you're sitting at the front of staff meeting or you're having an interaction or whatever it is, you have to understand like put aside your ego. You don't know everything, and you need to include people, and you need their opinions. As crazy as they may sound sometimes, because because they might have a piece of the puzzle that you don't have, right? I I don't I don't think that there's a question that if if a major or a lieutenant colonel or a general has an idea that it might carry more weight than you know than an E seventy eighty nine, and that all collapses the psychological safety of a majority of a branch of service, right? Yeah. And it, if someone feels like they can't contribute simply because of where they stand on the hierarchy, or, or like let's say a senior airman who is a five level and working hard every single day, they have their hands on the problem. They literally have right. their hands on the problem and they know the solution. Yeah, they deal with it every day. Every single day. Right. Yet they're not in a position where they can bring it forward to their leadership because... Oh, that's not your position. That's not your job. It, it, that's not that's not your job to fix it. There's guys way above you that are that that's their job yeah. to fix this issue. But but I I know nope yeah nope and they just get turned away and that just totally diminishes a psychologically safe environment and that happens at all levels of the organization. You yeah, have, you know, let's look at it from from a captain's perspective, right? Like a flight commander, like a a flight commander might have his eyes on a specific problem because he has a good relationship with the section chief, and they, you know, like hey, this TO doesn't make any sense, right? Let's, uh, no, hey, LT, don't waste your time with that. Don't 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 waste. Your, but but sir, nope. Don't you have paperwork to write up for somebody? Yeah. Don't you have? Don't you have something else to do besides make the you know, like make this place better? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what they're saying. You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and right, and um, there's another kind of nuance that falls um, kind of away from the 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 spectrum of like clear behaviors that that just absolutely shut down psychological safety. I think there's this uh, this middle area of behaviors that we think are okay. Um, and, and we're not being a jerk or anything, right? Like, but, but just by, uh, by nature, psychologically, they could say what you're saying, right? Like, like someone could literally say, I don't care what you have to say, Matt. Right. And that's obviously going to, going to lower the safety, right. And you're not going to go to that person. But then there are some other things that we could say, um, that we think are, are good language to use, but they also shut those things down and keep people from telling you the truth or hey guys and they're females in the room right stuff something like as small as that yep um you know and and then then we talk about this this continuum of like uh what what jokes are acceptable right like like we talked about um generally people agree like a, a light jab about your football team is is okay but but how is that acceptable in the continuum right like that that jab that might be acceptable repeated um when we have when we have 30 
micro communications a day and we talk five days a week and we talk, you know, however many days a year, like even though those are innocent, like that is going to lower safety, right? Even worse. Let's think about it. Most managers across all organizations, private sector, military, don't communicate with their direct reports enough. Yeah. And if that's all you're hearing, yeah. If that's the if that's all you're hearing within those micro communications right. and those limited amount of uh, times that you have to, because because most managers don't do one on ones, right? Right. Most managers barely have team meetings, and the few times that you meet with your quote leader, they're ostracizing you. Yeah. Or it's perceived by yourself as being ostracized, right? Because and they think that they're being cute or they're being funny or it's just an inside joke and it's just, it's simply not the case. Right. Yeah, it, exactly. So there, there's that kind of behaviors and there's other things, right? Like that, that maybe we don't even realize we do. I think, um, you know, being deliberate about, uh, not checking your phone while you're talking to someone or if, if you're, you know, if, if someone comes into your office and you're the boss, like you can, you can stop typing for a minute. Right. Um, that is, oh my God. <laughs> That is my oh my that's pet peeve. That's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, it, it, when and, and someone's just too important, just yeah. someone's way too important to take thirty eight seconds of their time to just look at you and just have an engaging conversation. Yeah, and it's like you you're not that cool, bro. Right. It's yeah, because <laughs> you're not that important. Well, and, and you know, and it might it might not be intentional, but I think what what people need to understand is like. Once you once you're aware, and and if you've listened up to this point and you weren't aware before, you should be aware now. Now you are self aware. Now you're self aware. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you might be asking yourself, like, it sound this like why 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 is psychological safety important? Um, well, why is it important? Yeah. So, getting ahead of my questions, man. Sorry, I was <laughs> trying to lead you. Um, I'll let you you host. So so. Why is psychological? Why, <laughs> Matt? Man, that's a good question. Um, so th- this isn't the why. We'll get to the why in a little bit, but just a little data to support support the why that we'll get after is um, Project Aristotle uh, was a was a project, an internal project by Google to research why some teams are more effective than another, and they looked at something like this. So we're talking about 180 teams, right? We're talking about 150 factors. So there's a lot of data here, right? It's not like that study that's like, hey, two guys did this thing and one guy improved, right? Like those studies are kind of, you got you to gotta look at those a little close. But this is a lot of data. And what they found was there's a couple things that determined team effectiveness. But the, the number one biggest thing that determined team effectiveness was, guess, Matt? Psychological safety. Psychological safety, right? It, it's not the degrees it's not your your technical skills it's not necessarily all these other things those things are important right um education is important experience is important but think about it in terms of this like you have a team of einsteins that are are competing for for resources are competing for the limelight are not sharing information with each other they're not valuing each other versus a team of people that are invested and hardworking and relatively smart. They're not Einsteins, but they're they're mm-hmm. they're good people. But they're sharing ideas. 
right? And and they feel safe enough to explore this boundary of of challenging the status quo and and they they accelerate each other, right? So instead of having no ideas come out of that that group because they're all fighting for resources, you have 10, 15, 20 magnified ideas, right? So like you can see you can kind of see once you get that that information, you can kind of see why it's important to go after psychological safety because it because people are finding now it is the number one determinant of team effectiveness. So if you if you value team effectiveness, which if you're if you're in an organization, and I refrain from saying if you're a leader in news or organization, because if you're just in an organization, you should value effectiveness. And exactly. And everyone is a contributor to psychological safety. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because there is this notion once people hear about it this that like the man the top like the the top guy right like whoever that is is the only person who can model and determine psychological safety. But right? like well there's something to be said about that too where culture is driven from the top down in a lot of cases where a CEO and their actions and their personality just trickles down across the rest of the organization. And that can be said about the CSAP. That can be said about um, even a section chief, a flight commander, a squad, more, most importantly, a squadron commander. I would say uh, a squadron commander has probably the most control of a unit's culture versus really you know, a- anyone else yes. uh, within an Air Force org. Yes, and the 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 guy in the back shop right the, the senior airman in the back shop that that is just pounding out metals tech with how many guys are typically in a metals tech that depends can we say five? Oh, there's more than five. Ten? uh it, it, there could be anywhere from 10 to 20 even 30 okay. it depends on the shop we'll go small right yeah. we'll go five small we'll go five yeah. small smallest metal tech uh team in the air force um <laughs> There's a guy in there and he's doing his best to create psychological safety, right? Like he's, he's given everyone a voice. He's being very deliberate about the language he uses. He's including everybody. Um, he's allowing them to learn. He's right. He, like he's, he's read the books. He's read four stages of psychological safety by Timothy Clark and the fearless organization by Amy Edmonton. And he's doing his best. That That's effective too. And managing up. And man, right? Well, because there's a there's a manager that's coming in and, and is is has touch points with those with those individuals, and he sees that right, and that that rubs off on him. And I I do agree with your point. I think you know the entire organization can't be psychologically safe if the people at top don't support um, that culture, and the people at the bottom are are also important too. So so the I think the point there is if you're sitting there like man, what can I do about it? You can do something about it, right? And it's also important for people to know what the word psychological safety means, or the term, I should say, the term psychological safety means and and what embodies psychological safety and how you can build that. Yeah. Because a lot of airmen or a lot of people just in general across the world, across the country, probably can't define psychological safety. And uh, if... You talk about the elements of psychological safety. Oh, I, I can give you a definition of trust or communication. 
I can give you a definition of being open and honest and uh, having radical candor. But what is psychological safety? And they, that's not, they're not synonymous necessarily. Not all those words are synonymous with psychological safety, but they're in the same realm and yeah. they, they build upon that, that foundation that is, that is necessary. Um, when we dig into innovation and you know, even safety, because that's, that's a big, I mean, psychological safety, you know, that is a requirement of having a safe environment. If you want a truly safe workplace, um, whether it's from workplace hazards to sexual assault to all of the above, psychological yeah. safety is, is a firm requirement. Yeah, they've, they've, they've linked, um, you know, yeah, low, lower safety incidences. Um, I, I haven't dug into the data, but I, I'm sure it's there. Like you talked about, like, um, this isn't the silver bullet, right? I don't mm -hmm. think it, I don't think it fixes everything, but I have to imagine that if the environment is psychologically safe and someone is struggling with something like suicidal thoughts, then they're they're more likely to bring that up to someone and seek help. I have to imagine that's the case, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure the data is out there. I just I'm not going to tell you that I've read it and then, and I haven't. And when you were at BMT, or I'm sure in your shop maybe like a commander's call. You, you ever seen the video of that B fifty two crash? Yeah. And you know why that crashed, right? No. Uh -uh. The aircraft commander was known to be a reckless pilot. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And the crew didn't have the psychological safety to tell, to tell him, no, Yeah, we, we shouldn't be operating this way. He would consistently shut people down, say, no, we're going to do it my way. And that cost the lives of his crew. Yeah. And yeah. that, that got people killed in an operational sense. It, I think that's a great... Um, example because there there's a lot of case studies about um, cockpit crew resource management is a technique that pilots use to, to specifically get after that thing right like in the cockpit it's a good case study because there's a there's a hierarchical uh, um, environment there right you got a pilot and you got a co-pilot and the co-pilot just not does not um, in in many cases just tell the pilot that he's wrong Right, like and we're solely talking, over the Hudson. You know? Yeah, well, and 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 that what you're talking about with, um, you know, where they landed. Who was that? Uh, Captain Sully. Yeah, Sully. Right, Sully successfully lands this this uh, commercial aircraft in the Hudson. That was a psychologically safe environment. If you if you look at that tape and how they handled the situation, right? They they had an issue. And it was because the environment was psychologically safe that they were able to do what they did, right? From, from top to bottom. From, from top to bottom. From the control tower yes. to the cockpit to the right. flight attendants. Yep. And even the cooperation, you can go as far as, say, the cooperation of the passengers yeah. made everything a psychologically safe environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another resource that we'll, we'll kind of uh, outline at the end there is, is uh, the Culture Code with Daniel Coyle, and he talks about... Um, he talks a little bit about psychological safety and he he explores the case of the the missileers right uh some time ago in the air force and and that's a great case study because it's a military case study 
and a lot of things happen with with the new culture at the time and and um but specifically the the um officers were were caught cheating on their tests right um and i this is and we could talk about what psychological safety isn't and i'm not giving anyone a license to cheat right like that is a like like morally right that's an issue but when you kind of unpack that thing like these these officers were were expected to get hundreds on their test right and the like it wasn't happening in in the the standards just got higher like things just got worse right like there was no the environment wasn't set up where anyone felt like they could they could say hey like this is uh, 100 is unobtainable like it's it's not uh it's it's just not feasible to expect everyone to get 100% on their test right um no one could, no one so what did they do they cheated right yep. and and again not not giving them the license to cheat um and not alibying for them but like when you set up that environment it's it's tough to fathom a world where they had they didn't feel like they had any other options and right. what's ironic is whenever someone does get 100 on the test, you go to think, did this person cheat? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's, it's counterintuitive. You know, yeah. like if someone gets 100 on a, on a promotion test, like you're going to be like. You're going to investigate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're gonna we, had, we had one guy at BMT got 100 on his EOC. They're like, are you OSI? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like everybody's like, that's not. It's because, because we know. That it's just not likely, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the the chances of you getting a hundred are a lot. Not that it's not possible, but it's just not. It's not highly, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely, right? It's just it's just the way things are, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so once you kind of dig into um case studies and you and you understand psychological safety, um, and you get a good clear picture of what psychological safety looks like and and then what it doesn't look like, it it should be very clear to everybody that it's worth pursuing. So let's talk about, let's dig a little bit deeper into that 100% mentality. And let's compare that to, let's say, another part of the Air Force. Let's look at, let's look at special operations. Some of the leadership principles and tenets that embody the, the special operations realm, it, it's failure and accepting failure and being okay with failure and growing, ultimately growing from that failure. You have to be safe to fail, right? And that's only built in a psychologically safe environment through team communication, uh, through an open flow of information. And that is essential on the battlefield. And special operations teams, whether it's a, a combat controller, attack P, a pararescueman, uh, special reconnaissance, even you know seals, uh, force reconnaissance in the Marine Corps. All of those teams ensure that there is an open flow of communication in any battle space, whether it's pitch black and you're in your NVGs, or if it's in the middle of the open desert and you're you're spread out in, in a firefight. There's uh, you have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to trust. The individuals that you're going to war with and there's never an expectation of 100 percent. there's an expectation that you're going to fail and you're going to learn from that failure and we can even go as uh you know talk about that from a uh, a qa perspective too uh, 
oh, you didn't meet uh, a 95%. You didn't meet a 98%. You know, sometimes you're going to screw up. You know, sometimes uh, a machine isn't going to be clean. Sometimes your fire extinguisher isn't going to be signed off. Yeah. And that shouldn't determine your career. That shouldn't determine an A1C from getting uh, BTC, right? Oh, you got a you got a QA fail because your your program was just a little off. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, I I've certainly been in um staff meetings where where the QA, the kind of weekly or monthly wrap up um is viewed in, in staff meeting and um there's always this this idea like it's it's at 99 100%, you know what I mean? And, and talk about the the things that you can do to increase psychological safety or decrease them. It's like how how do the people in the room how do they they handle that right like just as an example um because you can either say you can say things like if it's at 98 percent, you can say what happened why is this not 100 right and and that right there like how how much more willing are people to bring you the bad news and the failures when when you say things like that mm-hmm. or or when you say things like hey we're at we're at 90 98% is it is it reasonable to assume that we we probably have more failures than that because cuz i i fail quite often right like as a you know and, and kind of express express be vulnerable as a leader um be vulnerable first and be vulnerable often and model the behavior that failure is not only is it is it is it acceptable but it's probably likely mm-hmm. and know? we even tie that into an operational sense here at tesseract we use and we'll dig into this in in some future episodes and content uh in okr in okr you're not expected to reach 100 percent of right. your goal and that's how we create our our operational framework is you know we anticipate reaching 80 to 90 percent of what we set out to do but we are being aggressive with what we're going to accomplish and if we hit 100 percent great but maybe we could have hit 110 percent of that goal yeah and continuing to to push yourself and push yourself in the right direction allowing that space for growth is incredibly important you know even from a results standpoint and that is how tesseract takes uh, a theme of like psychological safety right because there's yeah. a lot of different directions you can take but we tie that in directly into how we accomplish our mission right yeah and um just another thought i had uh back up one minute and talk about uh you know failures in the term in the in the realm of like qa and um kind of its link with psychological safety um when amy edmondson kind of uh, headed down the path of before she knew psychological safety was going to be her the 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 area she pursued for for a decade or so um she got hired on to look at uh failures in hospitals and in terms of like um if if the wrong medicine was prescribed or things like that right um and she she first got the data back and there was a clear correlation that was uh statistically significant between um, the strength of the team, the effectiveness of the team, and the number of errors. So she was super excited, right? Like, uh, got it. But then she 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 did some digging in the 
um, the correlation was the wrong way. There was more failures in high-performing teams mm-hmm. and less failures in, um, in, in poor-performing teams. And, right, like, instead of getting, like, throwing the, the bathwater, the baby out with the bathwater and, like, because that would have been bad, right? Like, now she writes a book that says, like, hey, the, 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 the key is to be a low-performing team, right? She didn't mm-hmm. do that. She sat back. She, she thought about it. She looked at it again. And she came up with this concept of psychological safety and did some more research. And turns out the high-performing teams, because they were psychologically safe, they reported more errors, right? The, the low-performing teams committed more errors, but they reported less errors. So the lesson there is, like, th- things are happening that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. I promise you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in an organization and the organization is doing anything, there are errors. Mm-hmm. People are making errors, and you don't know about them. If you, have a, if, you have low, if you have not created an environment that supports people coming to you and telling you about those errors, you're never going to find out about them. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be too late, right? It's going to be a challenger scenario or something of that nature, right? You think uh, it's like a, a platoon of infantry marines after an op, right? They come back and they have an after action review, right? Yeah. You do your after action report. How often do you think they say, All right, nothing nothing, nothing to review. You guys nope. did a great job. You guys there was yeah. never a time where you screwed up and could have got killed. Yeah. Ne- never never a time. Perfect. Every day that we are stateside working on aircraft, we are training to go to war. Yeah. And we're gonna be put in harsh environments at some point to maintain aircraft and we're going to be in remote places where nothing's going to be perfect you know you've done maintenance overseas you've done maintenance deployed and everyone that i've talked to that's done maintenance in afghanistan in iraq it's different yeah and you have to be flexible and it's not going to be that you know qa 100 percent every single time we got to get those jets in the sky and we got to win wars yeah, and um, you know, one thing I thought about uh, while you were talking about that was, again, back to some kind of some of the just the the body language or the or the verbiage you use when people bring failures or mistakes or whatever bad news to you, um, and there's this idea from from Daniel Coyle, embrace the messenger, and typically we hear what do we what do we typically hear about the messenger pow yeah right there's <laughs> so there's shoot the messenger, yeah <laughs> and then and then there's you know that 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 was kind of civil war a guy rode up with the the note said they were on your left flank and you shot them yeah. <laughs> and then and then it came and then it went to don't shoot the messenger now what i would challenge you in terms of building psychological safety is just not shooting the messenger is not enough right because that could be like you know i Johnny brings you bad news and you go, all right, man, let's, what is it? Right? Like just that, are they going to bring you bad news again? Right? Cause there's going to be no more messenger. Cause there's going to be no messenger. You need the messenger and you need the messenger. So, yeah. so instead of that, because you have to understand like sometimes the person bringing you the message has, has one stripe, two stripes and you have three, four, five, six, whatever. 
um, couple or bars, couple bars, whatever. Maybe an oak leaf. You know, maybe right. Maybe a bird. Maybe. So, so they're already concerned about that dynamic. They're already coming into that situation, um, and and there are their brains already firing all these chemicals, right? And they're worried about it. And here you are, even just so much as like, what? And even imagine as a, like you imagine being a major that's been in for like sixteen years, and you have to go to report to a full bird. Yeah. Or, um, you know, or a general about something that that went wrong. Even someone at that level of the organization is still has the same emotions. Yeah. As well, because they're human. As an A, exactly. As an A one C that has to go to their staff sergeant that they might not have the best relationship with, and um, and yeah. talk about um, uh, staff sergeant. I um, I left a tool on the flight line. Are you effing kidding me? Yeah. Right. Instead, instead of going like, and I know it, right. It's counterintuitive and it's hard. And that's why not everybody is practicing these because it's, it's mm-hmm. hard. But instead of that, it's like, you know what? I appreciate that because without that piece of information, that tool is still out there and I don't know about it. And now we can do something about it. So I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So this isn't going to be solved just with this one podcast with, oh, with our listeners out there. I, you know, we wish that would be a good podcast. It's going to take steps yeah. and deliberate effort and resources. And, you know, while we know not everyone is going to, you know, we have some, you know, we have a few books up here that are phenomenal. Yep. Great resources to dig into, to learn about psychological safety. But we know that, you know, it's not realistic that everyone is going to pick up these books and read them. Yeah. So what are some, uh, where are some places that, our airmen can go, or people can go to dig in to learn more about psychological safety. Yeah, I think uh, I would I would not sleep well tonight if I didn't start with us. Mm-hmm. I think you can reach out to to Tesseract. Like, what are some tools that we can give to your unit? Whether you're a flight commander, squadron commander, whether you're a just a supervisor or a section chief or a flight chief, what can we do to help the operational air force? Yeah, we, and you know, we've developed this, this, uh, mechanism called pulse and what pulse is, is pulse is a way that you can first measure the psychological safety of your unit through a weekly survey of five questions, five uh, engineered questions. They're very, they're scientifically engineered, right? They're not just out of Matt's or Paul's brain. Um, and they're designed to measure psychological safety. The survey takes about five minutes, right? And then we take that data and we wrap that up for you and we put it in a presentation, we give it back to you. And then you use that presentation to have a conversation with your team about the results. And then you repeat every week mm-hmm. and it's about simultaneously um, because this is a, this is a big thing to attack. So in, instead of like waiting until you're the expert on psychological safety and then doing the perfect thing, right? We're simultaneously giving you a, a mechanism to find out where you're at and then giving you some, some training. And by the way, we don't put you out on an Island with some resources and say, figure it out, call me in six months. We 
we we encourage you to get on weekly touch points with us. So we're walking hand in hand with this thing, right? Like we are there with you. Um, and, and that's how innovation happens because we need you to implement Pulse in your unit and tell us what's working about it, what's not working about it, where we're failing, where, where Pulse is failing, where the climate of the Air Force is failing so that we can strengthen the program or what's working or what's working absolutely right like that's important too um and um that resource is immediately available to you by reaching out to to test rack and saying hey i want in that sounds good i know it's going to be difficult but it's worth pursuing let me use pulse in my unit and we've already got some great results back yeah from right. you know digging into some of the data from the units that are attacking this first some great responses thoughtful responses yeah yeah and it's like that that idea like they initially come back and um you know it looks scary and here are these people saying like hey i i i feel a little bit ostracized i feel a little bit uh excluded but here's the deal is like and, and this might be a secret so so get somewhere where no one else can hear but it's happening right like it's it's it is happening right now in your unit yeah um the the only difference is you don't know about it right now and and pulse allows you a window into that in a, a vehicle to where you can go hey guys like you said this anonymously so i don't know who it is but it's clear to me that this is a problem let's talk about it because because i care about you mm-hmm. so so yeah um We've gotten some 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 awesome data back, and I say awesome. It might look scary to the person in the unit, but I see it as awesome because they're talking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's it's easy to to relate to because when we look at our organization's pulse, you get a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially when you see outliers. Yeah. Like, and you think, well, what have I have I done anything? Did I did, have I said was it anything? language I used? The language that I've used? Did I make fun of someone's voice cracking? Yeah. And is and that the reason they, they put a, fi- <laughs> a four instead of a five? Is that the reason, you know, and, and those decisions that, and those micro communications that you make on a daily basis lead to bigger decisions for that other individual in the future. That, that senior airman might not re enlist because he's tired of hearing. The same garbage every single day. I, I promise you, there are senior women who have not reenlisted because of that, mm-hmm. and and you know, not even intentional stuff or a tech that hasn't made master yet because they stopped caring. Yeah, because they were tired of the bombardment of those subtle micro communications that um, that their superintendent might not realize that they were using on a, yeah. on a daily basis. Or there's the, there is the absolute game-changing, war-winning idea sitting in some airman's head on the flight line. Mm-hmm. But he is not comfortable putting it out there because he doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's, there's so many things. Or, like, your, your team is performing what appears to be adequately by all conventional metrics 
but there's this space between where they're performing now to where they could possibly perform their potential untapped Mm -hmm. by just by allowing people a safe space to explore their thoughts. Well, I mean, what do you? Hey, our jets are getting up in the air. Yeah. And so, what's the problem? We met the sorties. Yeah, we we met. You know, you know, we got enough sorties in the air. Or we need to be more deliberate about our healthy airmen and incorporating that into how we measure success. Yeah, that that's a great point, right? Maybe maybe the improvement is not it cannot be found in conventional metrics. Maybe your your uh, aircraft availability does not go up. It stays the same, but and and sit down for this one, but maybe people start wanting to come to work. Yeah. Right? Like, and I'm yeah. not saying they're not at your unit. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I just, right? Like, like, do they? I mean, do they? That is an important question that I think each individual should ask themselves. And, like, am I excited to come to work? Am I excited to jump out of bed and get after it? And are my people feeling that way? Yeah. And you can see that through, uh, particularly in the civilian world, you can see that through absenteeism. Yeah. Because uh, you can call in sick a, a lot easier in the civilian world than you can in the military. And yeah. a little bit of, you know, part of my background, when I was a, a manager in the civilian world, our team went from the bottom to the top and with the least amount of call outs and the least amount of late ins because we had built psychological safety within that organization with one-on-ones with each employee every single week for at least 30 minutes and team meetings where the team got to collaborate and communicate and we'd have a potluck at least once a month where everyone brought food and had a chance to talk over food and compliment each other about how good their casserole was right yeah and also by giving them consistent feedback and not just waiting for one time a year or two times a year if you're counting midterm feedback, if that ever happens. And when you build that, all of those elements of taking that two-pronged approach of leadership and management, right? But then you, you combine that with coaching, mentorship, feedback, team meetings, and that genuine development that's how you, th- those are some of those foundational elements of how you build that baseline yeah. for that psychological safety. And it, people start coming to work and enjoying to come to work. Yeah. So if, if you have your, if you have an airman, a senior airman, or even, it doesn't have to be junior enlisted, it can be senior enlisted, it can be a JO. If they're coming to work late, maybe they're struggling to get out of bed because of the environment that's created. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can take that same approach with looking at kind of any um, problems for strictly listeners, I'm doing air quotes, problems, right? Because by that, I mean like people being late, you know, and and errors, um, people not following checklists. It's a symptom. It's not. Right. Very rarely is it just someone like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do my job today. Very rarely is that. And and that happens, right? But but I think the more likely scenario is if you really look at like take a take an honest look about and and think about those things we talked about, right? Is there is there inclusion as as the first stage of psychological safety? Is there is there learner safety or people 
do they have permission to learn, right? Like, can that staff start and say, hey, I don't know how to do that? And is there people rally around them and, and help teach them, right, so that they can learn? Is there, is everybody free to contribute? And by that, we, we mean, like, really free to contribute, not just, like, hey, you guys drop your, drop your comments in the, in the box. Like, in the annual survey. In the, right, like, in the <laughs> annual survey. In the command like, climate survey. Right, right, in the deox, you know what I mean? Is yeah. there, is there actual contribution and people are free to really contribute and then are people are people really free to challenge the status quo people aren't even feeling free and this goes with a lot of you know organizations with the the comment box like oh put your opinion in this little wood box yeah that's hammered into the wall right and nothing will change yeah like, and- people don't even feel comfortable enough to walk up to that box and put in a piece of paper yeah, a word of caution, right? And in this journey, because we've got you hooked, and you're like, I'm, I'm starting to breed a culture of psychological safety tomorrow. That's my mission. We've got you there. So, like, one word of caution is don't, don't change your verbiage to 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 support psychological safety, and then do nothing, because that research has showed that is worse than not changing your verbiage at all. Like, because people have a huge uh, a highly effective uh, m- measurement of BS, right? Like people are really good. People's BS detectors are so good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, right. Um, so, so like if if you're gonna do it, you have to follow up the and and here's the here's the thing that's funny about this is like if you try it and you screw it up but you're open about that. You're like, Hey, I'm trying to be better at this. And they see you honestly try, even though you're, it's not happening at a super fast rate. Like people are okay with that because they understand it is hard to change. Mm -hmm. Right. But they see you making an effort. But if you say you're going to do something and then you don't do anything, that is worse than not doing anything at all. And it even goes to as small of a example as, like, let's say your boss says, I'm going to get pizza on Friday. Yeah. And forgets and doesn't do it. Yeah. Right. It's they, like. It, they remember. Yeah. Your followers, your teammates, remember something as small as that. So imagine. Right. If someone says, hey, I'm going to put you in for an award. And they don't. And they never do it. Yeah. Well, and in, in, in the pizza example, you know what I mean? Like, like forgetting is, is, is a mistake. So the 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 real danger lies when you don't ever own up to your mistake. Like, oh, I forgot. Uh, I, but Monday, yeah. come in with pizzas and tell everybody and their brother you forgot and you apologize. So some people still might hold a grudge. They might. Yeah. Right. But right. but right. but you're gonna reduce that by such a sig- like a significant amount. Yeah, like right. if you have, you can't please everybody. You can't. Yeah, you can't please everybody. I think that's another important point, you know, it's like, and that, that goes with the gray of leadership and back to kind of what we were talking about initially is, you know, not everyone is going to be happy with every decision that you make. Yeah. However, you're going to win more people over with, you know, a genuine, yeah. you know, approach with radical candor, with uh, being vulnerable and admitting mistakes and just saying, Hey, look, I screwed that one up. Yeah. And, you know, and same same with the the other stuff you're talking about, right? Like like everybody screws up. I mean, you know, you you put in your honest effort and everybody screws up and that's that's the thing about failure is like it's so hard to 
um, admit failure. But it, what's interesting about that is like everybody fails. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Well, yeah. and, and it's important to explore failure a little bit because we, we say, we talk a lot about failure now. And I think the space of, of innovation and leadership and personal development and all those kind of things are, are there's more books written about failure now than there was five, 10 years ago, right? Um, and there, there's, it's important to kind of take a minute and look at failures for like, what, what is it like in, in terms of innovation and like, you got a good hypothesis that you, that you developed off of sound research and all those kind of things. And it, it doesn't work out like that's okay. Yeah. And, right? it, and that's failing forward, you know, and, it, yeah. and but people, yeah, some people want to use failing forward as like some cool like, you know, cute yeah. catchphrase is, oh, you're going to fail, but you can fail forward. If you're not in a position where, like a, a mental position where you can grow and adapt and the people around you can understand where, you know, you're coming from and the context, then no one's going to grow from that failure. Right. Yeah. And and, and then the other um instances of failure sometimes that are that are that we shouldn't celebrate are the ones where like the you know breaches of morality and like those kind of things right like um and there's certainly lessons to learn from those too and like you know there there's a big space to talk about like how you go from those two but but those are not necessarily celebrated right those aren't those shouldn't be looked at in the same respect generally when we're talking about failure in the space of innovation it's like you know, like we, we challenged the status quo. Um, we did our research and it just didn't work out. Yeah. It's different than the, the, oh, Thomas Edison, 10,000 yeah. broken light bulbs. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think, right. To kind of back to like, what can I do if I'm, if I'm someone that's interested in psychological safety? Well, let's, let's get you connected. Let's get you connected out there. Right. So, um, you know, you can reach out to us at com, and we can, we'll have resources there. Yeah. We'll have, um, a direct line of communication to us. Um, you can get connected on our Slack page. So just go ahead and, uh, shoot us a DM on, uh, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter. Slide uh, into the DMs. Yeah. Slide in those DMs. And we'll get you, uh, we'll get you hooked up with, um, with our Slack network, so you can start uh, contributing to the conversation, um, listening to those ideas. Um, we're gonna have a a psychological safety um, channel that you can contribute to for those contributing to polls, and uh, so we can start uh, continuing that conversation yeah. on psychological safety. Yeah, and it's as easy as like m- making a commitment and. And, you know, we do a lot of the other stuff for you. Like, you got to be out in the battleground slugging it out. Um, and that's that's the hardest thing. But but we try to take as much of the the burden of, of the material and survey and that kind of stuff off of you. Um, so it's, it's a partnership. It's not just just to reiterate, we don't we don't drop you off on an island and and leave you there. We, yeah. we walk as as much as we can through it with you hand in hand there is learner safety there is there is inclusion inclusion there is learner safety there will eventually be contributor safety and then challenger safety absolutely all of those things are are there yeah present. and we're gonna yeah coach develop you through this process we're gonna be there step by step 
it's yeah. not easy. It's it's not going to be easy, especially in a culture and an environment that doesn't have that built in right now. While yeah. there's some leaders out there in the Air Force that embody these characteristics and share these values. Yeah, I think it, the time is now, to your point, right? Yeah. Like like General Brown just wrote a paper that I think supports it doesn't necessarily talk about psychological safety, but if you if you take this context and you look again at that paper it's there um you see a lot of uh chief bass's um stuff on facebook like she talks a lot about culture it's there right the fact that tesseract exists i think that afworks exists spark cells exist i think the fact that all those exist is a is a nod to that we're on the precipice of like something huge some huge momentum there are some you know, but but and and one thing I would point out to your point, Matt, is like don't don't be discouraged by that because it's not anyone's fault, right? It's just it's it's it, there was um you know it, there was not necessarily a need for psychological safety until relatively recently, right? Like you you were in a factory pulling the lever, making the widgets. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a whole lot of space for for thought. In innovation and that kind of stuff. Um, now we need it, and now is the time. I mean, we might be a little bit behind the power curve and changing, but it's no one's fault, right? So, uh, you know, what other books can can our airmen dig into, or if there's any other, um, you know, podcast or author, yeah, or uh, you know, individuals you could think of that yeah. are, you know, leadership, psychological safety gurus for sure. Um, yeah, so I think. Um, on the podcast front, if you're a if you're a podcaster, but no podcast listen podcasty podcasty. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the <laughs> vernacular there, but you know if you like to listen, a, to podcasts. if you're a faithful listener to Test Rack Podcast, yes, there are a couple other resources that you can dig into. Yes, uh, get on your favorite um, podcast mechanism and just and type in. I would I would say type in Amy Edmondson, um, psychological safety. Um, Daniel Coyle, both of those are really great starts. Brene Brown as well. Brene Brown uh, dips into the subject as well. Yep, for sure. The Power of Vulnerability yes. is a great audiobook. Yeah, uh, I, I, Brene Brown also has a Netflix special that's like, you know, kind of like a primer on her and vulnerability, and she does some fantastic stuff. Um, I would, re- I would highly recommend if you're, if you're a reader, if you're not a reader, then become a reader. That's yeah. It's as simple <laughs> it's as that. that. If you're yeah. not a reader, get on audiobooks. Yes, like yeah. get Audible, and it will change your life. Yeah, you have to. You, I, um, reading is not the the only way to develop yourself, but but man, you're missing a a huge chunk of value if you're not reading. And by the way, none of these are paid endorsements. Yes, these are not. These are the views of Paul Hammer and Matt Moran solely. And this is not the view of the United States Air Force. Yes. So great point. Um, these are. Uh, these are just resources that we independently came across and um, personally enjoy and found useful and applicable and relevant to yep. what we need to build as we connect and power and accelerate across the Air Force and build that culture of psychological safety and innovation. Yes, great point. Um, so so Daniel Coyle's uh, Culture Code's real good. Um, then I would recommend Amy Edmondson's The Fearless Organization. I think that's also 
um, easy to read. That is is solely about psychological safety. Um, so that digs you a little bit deeper down that rabbit hole. If you really like that and you kind of want to start to like get really nerdy about psychological safety, um, Timothy Clark's The Four Stages of Psychological Safety, um, defining the path to inclusion and innovation is really good. Um, and then if you even want to go deeper, this is like, we're like four levels deep now. Um, <laughs> psychological safety, the key to happy, high-performing people and teams. Um, Dan Radicke, um, and then a bunch of other people, core people. So, um, yeah, so those are some resources. But like we said, I think, I think um, simultaneously while you dig into that, contact us and, um, and ask us about polls. Yeah, um, f- uh, follow us on LinkedIn, uh, Tesseract AF. Uh, also, www.tesseractaf.com. And just connect with us on our network. Um, slide in our DMs. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. And, it's so uh, fun to say. Yeah. <laughs> use, uh, use the code Tesseract for 15% off. No, yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah, not, not a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> yeah. You, you, maybe one day you'll get, get a hat and a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, patches. Um, but go, please connect with us at Tesseract AF. And the power of Tesseract is through our network, right? Yeah. And um, the bigger network that we have believing in innovation and, and psychological safety and growth and development, the more successful we will be as an Air Force, as a military. And uh, you know, that, I think, tying it all back to the health of our airmen and the the resilience of our airmen it it all goes back to if you dig deep enough psychological safety i believe so i think we've peeled this onion to the core maybe maybe not to the core but yeah, yeah. pretty i think we've done pretty well um yeah. there's always an opportunity to for a yeah. is for that a even reaction. a saying peel an onion to the core it is now I'm just made it. Do onions have one? I don't think I don't, so. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but yeah, we, we dug pretty deep into that. Um, but this is just to get you started. And, um, you know, you might feel like you're jumping in the deep end, but that's because you are. Yeah. And, and that's what you have to do to be successful. And you're going to feel like you're treading water at first, but that's why we're going to be here to help you out and to make your section, your squadron, your wing uh, the most successful wing in the Air Force, right? So, uh, so we can continue to be the best yep. Air Force. Absolutely. Aim fly. <laughs> Aim, Aim high. Aim fly. <laughs> fly, fight, and win. Fly, fight, win. All right. All right. So let's go out there, connect, empower, and accelerate. Thanks for listening. Let's go. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.